0: Imagine spending two movies building up an iconic figure of horror, starring one of the great actresses of her generation, and creating a franchise that slasher fans are excited for, then thinking the best thing for the third movie is to yeet all that out of existence and do something completely different. It's a bold move, Cotton. We're going to see how that plays out as we attempt to prove to you that Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is not that bad welcome welcome everyone to this edition of it's not that bad the podcast that looks for a grades in b movies now i find on this podcast we find ourselves talking a lot about sequels because in general the sequels usually suck in comparison to the original uh and in this case it might not be that different because we are talking Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. You know what doesn't suck, though, when it comes to sequels? When Philip from the Adapted to Screen podca- podcast <laughs> makes his sequel appearance on this show. Philip, welcome <laughs> back to the show, man. How are you doing?
1: Uh, Jason, thank you very much for having me back. I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself?
0: Uh, I am doing so well. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Now, when you were pitching this movie to me, I first of all, I, I didn't even know... Um, that this one, like I knew we were at like Halloween four, Halloween five, and then like all the remakes and then the the continuations. And then you're like, oh yeah, it hasn't got Michael Myers in it. I'm just like, I, I, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? What is it about this film that made you want to pitch this?
1: Well, um, I think because everyone just, dogs on it, really. You know, I mean, everyone, it, it's, oh, it's it's terrible. It's the worst. It's the worst one of the lot. It's a terrible film. But actually, no, it's not. It's not a terrible film at all. Actually, it's quite good. Um, <clears throat> a, quick, a quick one for you, Jason. Um, what would you give this out of 10?
0: Out of 10? Okay, here's, here's the thing. I, I have two minds of this here. If I'm grading this movie as the movie itself, I'm probably giving it about a six out of 10. But if I'm going into the theater expecting a Halloween film, I'm probably giving this a lower grade. And that's basically on based on expectations of the title alone. I, I remember watching, uh, full disclosure here, um, my, my best friend and I, uh, Morgan, who, used to, who has been on the show before, um, used to go to the video store and rent movies literally based on the title alone. There was one movie- what? There was one movie that we rented called Bloodsucking Pharaohs in Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, my dear Lord.
0: There was no pharaohs, no one sucked any blood, and <laughs> I'm pretty darn skippy. The film was filmed as Chicago. So I'm just putting it out there. That was a bait and switch. And, I'm, and I think as a Halloween fan, like if I'm going in looking for Michael Myers and I, and I see Halloween 3 and I go in there like, oh, he's just on the screen in there, um kind of feels like a beaten switch, not going to lie.
1: No, I mean, I think, to be fair, uh, I think I'd be a bit enraged if I went and watched Not More on Elm Street Part 3 and there was no Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And it's very and it's very similar to when I watch my second favourite TV programme of a weekend, Murder, She Wrote. And it's not actually Jessica Fletcher's just hosting the show. She goes, ooh, there's a story about a friend of mine in New York. And then the whole episode hasn't got Jessica Fletcher in. You're like, this is not Murder, She Wrote. This is just some random... Murder without Jessica Fletcher involved, but what I would say is to make this film because the problem with this film is really good, right? It's really good, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the the problem is two words: Halloween Three. Oh, absolutely. Take that, take that off the title, right? There's no Halloween Three. It's called Season of the Witch. This film gets put in the same bracket as uh, films like Sleepaway Camp, Night of the Creeps, Night of the Comet, Chopping Mall. When people go, oh yeah, they were great films. They were. People would say that about this film, but they've just got the knickers in the twist because it's Halloween three. Well, you know what? Pretend it doesn't exist. People pretend *Not My Street Part Two doesn't exist. Okay, it's quite easy. You just go forget about it and move on. But it's a really, really good film, and that's why I thought we should talk about it. It reminds me
0: of, and I, I know this movie is going to—it it definitely qualifies—and we'll probably be on the podcast somewhere down the road. *American Psycho* two, which had really nothing to do with american psycho like it was like a spec script and then to to sell they're like oh yeah well this person may have been one of patrick bateman's uh uh victims that survived and then like the story goes on to just be absolutely nothing about american psycho it's just like oh what what are you doing what
2: are uh, you
1: doing it's, it's the same with um i think Rise of 5 6 and 8 I don't think any of those were Hellraiser films. They were films that were handed in, and they went, oh, i tell you what, we need to keep the rights to Hellraiser, add pinhead in, and we'll just call it Hellraiser Inferno.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: that's it. Mm.
0: <clears throat> let the movies stand on their own. But we're here to talk about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And before Indeed. we do, before we do, we have <sighs> to take this film and trailerize it. All right.
2: Michael Myers, his mere name makes you tremble in terror, but fret not, because Mikey ain't here. In fact, no one you know is here. In Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, in what may be the biggest bait switch movie title in movie history, watch a Halloween film with no Michael Myers, no Laurie Strode, there Or even any witches. It's the cinematic equivalent of taking the wrong left in Albuquerque. It will make you feel lost, confused, and worst of all, leave you singing that damn song that will make you dread October 23rd as it's eight more days to Halloween. No one you know stars in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Rated R for refund. (laughs)
1: half a refund although although i'm gonna take a a great great offense that you're saying that you don't know who tom atkins is he's like the man of the 80s what you're talking about
0: oh and and that's the thing like i recognize that that when they when they casted this film they put a lot of really good character actors in there so let's do a quick rundown here of the main ones uh this film stars tom Atkins, who. most people remember as Michael Hunsacker from Lethal Weapon. Uh, he was also in the Superco TV series, The Rockford Files, and Escape from New York. So a, a decent filmography for him. Uh, Stacy Nelkin uh, may be the name that's least familiar to most people, but she was in Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, and then there's Dan Hurley the old man from RoboCop 1 and 2. He was also Greg in The Last Starfighter, a long time actor. Like his filmography goes back to the 50s. So there is a, uh, there, there is a plethora of, of work experience there. This film, written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. It's actually his directorial debut and he later directed Fright Night Part Two.
1: However, oh, I love Fright Night Part Two, especially Tracy Lind. Love anything she's in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> However, it was almost directed by Joe Dante, who Ooh. was originally signed on to to direct this. Uh, Joe Dante uh, of Inner Space, Gremlins, The Burbs, uh, Looney Tunes back in action. Like when you take a look at the at the director uh, filmography between Joe Dante and Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, very, very different. And that's not to say that Tommy Lee Wallace didn't do very well. It's just a very different resume. He also wrote the script, but the original draft was written by Nigel Keane, who was uh, popular for writing the Quartermaster series, but then sued the producers so he could take his name off the film. Um, although apparently there was, a, there was an article that Tommy Lee Wallace said that... Uh, of the film is actually from that original script.
1: Okay, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, So, are you saying that John Carpenter had next to no involvement with this whatsoever?
0: Well, I mean, the original idea that John Carpenter had for Halloween was that it wasn't going to be like the Michael Myers show the entire time. The second film, like his his intention was to turn this into a Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, Creep Show type series, where every film was a different story that just happens to take place in Halloween. But of course, the first one did very well. People loved it, and the producers were like, Yeah, let's do that again. It wasn't supposed to be Michael Myers in Halloween too. Uh-huh, but, but, but money makes things happen, apparently. And there you go. This was Carpenter's chance to actually make this the anthology series that he wanted it to be in the first place, which is why we have Season of the Witch.
1: Uh, You see, in the days before, you could just do that on TV and everyone would love it. It reminds me
0: a little bit of, and I don't know if you remember this, the Friday the 13th TV series.
1: Uh, No, uh, I'm only really familiar with uh, the... Did not wear an Elm Street TV series, not the Friday. What? What was that about?
0: It, it was exactly what you, what I guess they wanted Halloween to be. In that, it was an anthology series, but it had nothing to do with Jason. Friday the Thirteenth was just kind of a, uh, a an overall blanket picture creep oh, show okay. without the Crypt okay. uh, without the uh, the keeper.
1: Oh, okay, right, well, mm-hmm. fair enough. Thank now, like
0: if something does sound familiar, though, as you are watching this film, when Tom Atkins is on the phone. And trying to get a hold of the operator. The voice sound a little familiar? It should. Because it's Jamie Lee Curtis as the voice oh of the operator. Um, this film didn't do too badly, though. According to IMDb, this film has a budget of $2.5 million. Worldwide gross of $14 million. And when it debuted, it debuted at number two. Only $300,000 behind the number one film that week. In October 22nd, 1982. That film being First Blood.
1: Oh, you know what? I watched that last night. It was so good. Yeah, it's such a brilliant film. I, uh... About, uh, I said to my 10-year-old daughter, I said, Conor, I think it's about time we watch something a bit better, an action drama, and we watched, watched it, and it was brilliant yet again. It's always brilliant, Rambo. It's always yes. brilliant.
0: Another series where, yes, the sequel suck in comparison to the original. Um, but just to give you an idea of what you were looking at at the box office that weekend, there were a number of films that debuted that weekend. Uh, debuting at number three, about half the amount of take of Halloween 3, was Monseigneur, which starred Christopher Reeve and Jean-Vierre Joel. You also had debuting at number one, or sorry, at number seven, Jinxed, starring Bette Midler. And then at number 10, you had a movie called The Sender. So, I mean, there ooh. were some decent movies that were coming out. I mean, also that being said, at number five, in its 20th week in the theaters. Oh,
1: oh, oh, hang on. Let me have a guess. And what? Uh, where are we? Not in 92?
0: 1982.
1: Ah, uh, right. Is it going to be a Star Wars film?
0: No, it is not.
1: Ooh, go on then.
0: It was actually E.T. the Extraterrestrial <gasps> in its 20th well, week.
1: E.T. E. is in, well, he e. e. is in Star Wars, isn't he, at some point? So, uh, in The Phantom Menace, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, in there. Sorry. He's in there. It's related. It's related.
0: And while the box office did help this film, and I mean, clearly, if your budget's $2.5 you make fourteen in 1982, you're doing pretty good. And this is
1: an that's, interesting that, one. That, sorry, that that was very. I was just thinking of uh, the stat you give them What six months in the top ten? Yeah, for ET. That's that is bonkers. Yeah, six six months.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, that, that, and that's. I don't even know if a movie could last six months in the theaters today.
1: No. I mean, it's a, like you could you could probably have an album that kicks around like I don't know the top forty for six months or so, but but it gets pulled. I mean, that stuff gets pulled nowadays. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have like a run of like what three weeks, four weeks.
0: Yeah, before That's it ends crazy. up on streaming, you're never going to get a movie like The Gods Must Be Crazy that I think actually still holds the record and may may always from here on in hold the record for longest consecutive streak of appearances in theaters Gods Must Be Crazy The Gods God's Must must Be be... Crazy
1: I've never heard of it actually
0: oh my god that is a classic and the concept is very simple Coke Bottle Falls from the Sky Uh, Uh, yes seen it yeah absolutely
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) this one But, but, but continue continue to tell people who haven't heard of it Oh. The
0: oh, absolutely! A coke bottle, a glass coke bottle, falls from the sky from an airplane, uh, and basically is picked up by someone from a tribe who is, who has no concept of of civilization outside of their tribe. The entire movie, for the pretty, for the most part, is is done in African click tongue, and for some reason, this film clicked. Pardon the pun, but it it just stayed in theaters forever, and I think it's because. There's no real spoken dialogue that that is easily understandable to anyone who doesn't recognize African click tongue, but you know it it is. It's a film that transcends language, so everyone can understand it. It was really, really well done. It could never be done today, but it's definitely because the bottle will be plastic. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just it's just this this one Coke bottle and how bringing it into the you know into the tribe actually sets off this series of like, it's basically what happens when you bring the outside world into your insulated society. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Getting back to Halloween 3, though, this yes. one was interesting. The meta score on this is 50, which I can kind of see. When you go to Rotten Tomatoes, the critics were more forgiving than the audience in this. The tomatometer sits at 47%. The audience score, 27. This is one of the yeah. rare cases where the audience didn't like this more than the critics.
1: Yeah, well, so, well, I, I can understand why, because there was no Michael Myers and that's what they wanted, but the critics can see, for what it is, a very good film.
0: Hmm. Oh, absolutely. So let's get to the breakdown of this, and we need to start with Dr. Daniel Chalice himself, Tom Atkins. How was Dr. Dan for you?
1: Um, well, I think uh, I, th- I think Doctor Dan was just well. Tom Atkins was just playing himself, wasn't he? Wasn't he really? You know, he's, if you watch Maniac Cop or you watch Night of the Creeps, uh, he's the same. he's the same person all the way through. Um, what I what what I didn't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, what I didn't understand was how can a how can a very flawed middle aged man with a moustache have so many women find him attractive.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. I and mean, my my wife was <laughs> my wife was watching while we were, you know, was watching along with me last night. And she's like, "Is he stupping everybody?" Cuz it kind of feels <laughs> like he is.
1: Yeah, yeah, the uh the nurse, his ex-wife. I mean, the girl, the girl he meets for for well, we could talk about this in a bit but like, for like what he's known for an hour. Yeah, two hours plus plus a car journey, and she's all over him. It's like easy barrel.
0: <laughs> but but it's like it's it's not even like he. It's it's almost like all of a sudden this is machismo in nineteen eighty two. This is this apparently is what gets the girls. Um, but uh, there was there were times when I thought he was actually very very good, and then I there were times. Good.
1: I think he's good all the way through though. To be honest, I mean I think yeah sorry carry on.
0: There was one time, however. Where not so much. And it's when, you know, he's he's already been captured by the by the by the way, we're gonna spoil the crap out of this film. But it Spoiler. is Spoiler literally forty years ago. So you're on your own at <laughs> this point. Um where he's been he's basically been captured by the by the um I guess Android men, if you will. Uh and there he's watching the uh the cupfers being killed in the test chamber, and I'm like can you show a little bit more emotion except for like, you know, he he literally looks like he's been, he just let out a fart that he's been holding in for about three hours.
1: Uh, Yes. Um, I I think he might have been thinking what his next move was. Now, is he going to be disgusted and shocked and horrified? Well, he's just found out that there's a load of robots running around and he's seen people dead already and he's a doctor. So maybe death isn't, you know, gore isn't too much of an issue for him. Surprise gore, maybe, but, you know, maybe he's also thinking, oh, that's going to be me. That's me in 20 minutes. So, you know, there's, mm, yeah, I get you, but, you know, what what can he do in that situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's let's give a quick rundown as to what the heck is going on in this film. First of all, because that this is this is the big thing, you know. In the other Halloween films, it's literally Michael Myers slashing people. That, that that's basically you can describe the entire series like that. Um, this is different though. This is this is very much a tale of um, there's this company, the the Silver Shamrock Mask Making Company. That is advertising these masks, and everyone's getting them for Halloween. And this company's run, seemingly by, I guess it's aliens at this point, um, Irish-sounding aliens. Or,
1: and well, um, I think, I think uh, in your in your trailer, uh, you said there were no witches, and I think that's what he says at the end because mm-hmm. he says our craft, and he goes witchcraft, and he's yeah. like, yes. So, so whether they're witches uh, from, from a time long ago who then got into robot technology as a, as a side hustle.
0: Yeah, that's, and, and then of course, like the, the, the mask or design, like, so at nine o'clock PM after everyone finishes watching Halloween on TV. So, um, for, for lack of a better term, Season of the Witch is actually quite meta in that sense. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then at nine o'clock, there's there's I can't remember what they call it. Basically, like the the surprise giveaway or something like that. And at nine o'clock, this this commercial shows the music plays and the masks basically are are designed to kill the people that they're that are wearing them.
1: What gets me about and there are a few there are a few bits there. I think that potentially they added post-production which make no sense so for instance just like you said uh, after halloween after halloween <laughs> the, the prize giveaway is there so right, this so this means to me that they're showing halloween at seven o'clock of an evening right Right. Okay. So, so that first of all, okay. So, that, that, that's an alarm bell. Second of all, it's nine o'clock and it's after kids have been trickle treating because the kids are at trickle treating. So, that they what they come home ready for seven o'clock, what they sit down with the TV dinners, watch Halloween, eat all the sweets, and they're still okay to stay up to put the masks on when the show, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, there's a few, inc- there's a few inconsistencies, uh, which are picked up on. Yeah. Um, When he goes, when he goes to visit the kids, he goes to visit, well, I'm going to presume it's his ex-wife, ex-wife and his kids. And he gives the kids the masks and they're like, oh, dad, your masks suck. We've got these wicked masks, blah, 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 blah. He gets called into the hospital, got to go. So obviously he was picking them up or taking them home or whatever it might have been. So then he phones after all the drama in the hospital at the start, he phones his ex and says, I can't pick up the kids. There's been a couple of deaths you work in a hospital, of course they're going to be deaths. Mm-hmm. So, so they're always going to be deaths, mate, right? And guess what? After they're dead, then you don't need to look after them anymore, do you? Right? Because you're the one who keeps them alive. Now they're dead. You can come pick up your kids. Stop messing them up.
0: Yeah, pretty then, much. <laughs>
1: right, now
0: it's the coroner's job, by the way. The coroner <laughs> who you're stopping anyways, because there's clearly there's an affair going on in there.
1: All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who wouldn't? Um, but then he made like, the, the daughter of the dead chap finds him in the bar and she goes, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've done this research, this, that, the other, there's a bit of a gap here. He's like, okay, well, let's go then. And in the car on the way there, or well, the voiceover in the car, cause he's not phoning from a car. Clearly he says, I can't pick the like, Remember that this was the Saturday night. And so this is Sunday morning. He phones her and goes, I can't have the kids Saturday. I've got to go to a function. I can't tell you the name of the hotel because I don't know where it is, blah, 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 blah. So he's planning on being away for a week. Then he says, yeah, I'll pick the kids up for trick-or-treating, which happens to be Wednesday. So how can you not have the kids the weekend because you're away, but you can pick them up? I was like, this doesn't make sense. And maybe maybe that's just me. And maybe uh, maybe I've misunderstood what was going on, but... I wasn't drunk at the time, so I think <laughs> they've, they've they've done some ADR and completely messed up. Like they didn't need, they didn't need any of that. But, they just well,
0: didn't you, need it. You definitely nailed that that he is dealing with his ex wife, and you can tell. I mean, you can't necessarily make out exactly always what she's saying, but you can tell the tone, and that tone says ex wife, uh, eight days till sun or eight ways to Sunday kind of thing. Um, so she's probably already known about the coroner that he was probably stepping. He probably already knows that he's going off to, to be with some girl kind of thing. Like, like there, there, there's no fool in this girl already. Um, you would think though, if a car explodes outside the hospital, all he has to say is, yeah, you might want to watch the news. That's why I'm staying like, like, Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah.
1: Right. Would you Yeah. Uh, either, either put the news on and see the explosion outside the hospital, or do you want to speak to the officer in charge mm. and he can confirm.
0: Uh, between Dan and Stacey Nelkins, Ellie, uh, the daughter of the first guy who dies, which first things first, I have to laugh. The guy at the, at the gas station brings the dad to the hospital. Uh, and then the things start to get weird. And he's like, yep, no, I'm out. I'm out. Like, why don't people in horror films just walk away from the crazy? That's all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, I, I think I think um, the the whole open of this was good. You know, you've got a guy running in the dark. Mm-hmm. You've got the music, you know, the tensions there. You're like, what's going on? Okay, there's a guy running and he runs into a scrapyard and you know that's not going to be good. If you've seen Not Renowned Part 3, you know the scrapyard's not good. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then what I couldn't, because I, I think this was like the third time I in this film, um, I couldn't figure out why the... When the when the the robot chap catches the bloke and he's strangling him, what does it take so long? And I'm thinking, like, do they do they have like are they human who have just got like um maybe uh, or impervious to pain for instance, or you know is one of them a robot? Is one of them super strength? Because like he was like strangling him for ages. Surely you would have just snapped his neck there mm-hmm. and then. You are like you're thinking, mm, if you're a robot, k- see you like, later, mate
0: and the, okay first things first the, the 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 first android death where it's like gets crushed in between the two yeah, cars uh-huh. very lightly i must say and it's like <laughs> instead of straight like close your eyes okay i'm dead now it's like how did this happen but but yes stace uh stacy nelkin as ellie um here's where i i have to give kudos because whatever you may think of horror films and whatever you may think of the Halloween franchise itself, uh, it has always kind of been one of those staples where yes, you know, the, the, the whole last girl theory, right? Stands strong against the serial killer. Laurie Strode is a very strong character. We, we totally get Jamie Lee Curtis does that character Uber justice. I even liked scout Taylor Compton in the, uh, Rob zombie, uh, Halloween films. I thought she was great. Um, Ellie here seems to be the one doing all the work. I'm just curious, why the hell does she need Dan in the first place?
1: Uh, well, she doesn't um, for a start. Now, what was the, I think she approaches him just to kind of what get an idea of what happened in the bar.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Totally cool with that. that. That's her doing her detective work.
1: And then I don't know, maybe, well, this is the whole thing you say because clearly she fancies him immediately. She goes, ooh, fancy you, like every other woman. Why don't you come along with me?
0: It's that mustache. Let's be honest. Uh, uh,
1: Maybe she sees him as uh, maybe not a father figure, that's wrong, but maybe uh, as a protector so she can get a bit further, maybe have a bit more courage because, you know, things are better when you're in a pair, though, not they, really?
0: I will admit that there is, you know, safety in numbers kind of thing, but it just just feels a little counter to what the Halloween franchise was able to do with Laurie Strode and create a strong female character. Ellie had the ability to be that. Stacey Nelkin definitely made Ellie a strong character, uh, much more useful than Dan, but it just felt like it leaned too much on Dan where Ellie was the more compelling character.
1: Well, I think um, when I watched it this time around, I realized how fast it was. There was no messing about, there was no padding with backstory, there was no, oh no, I can't go, I've got work, oh no, I'll meet you here in three days. It was, we need to go, okay, let's do it, get there, get there, look in, grab the stuff, get there, have a fight, end of the film. And you were like, you know, it was very fast paced, so to speak, it wasn't a slow drawn out one hour, 50 minutes, I think it was what, one hour 31, something like that, nice and quick, done, dusted.
0: Fully paced, very well. I, I I will agree on that one.
1: Yeah, no missing a boat. Just get in there and get the story told. I think, and because I don't think it would have tolerated anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. If you know what
1: I mean. Now I
0: I will say, um, for three quarters of the film, or at least seven eighths of the film, uh, Stacy Nelkin is wonderful on this. But then she gets caught by you know the Silver Shamrock guys. Uh, and then gets quote-unquote rescued by Dan, only to realise that, yeah, she's been changed into an automaton as well, and that's when it gets campy.
1: Well, yes, because I've got this written down in my goofs now. The question is, Is she has she been turned into a robot, or have they just put a likeness of her face on a robot? Because, let's face it, like if you'd been turned into a robot, you are no longer you, or at least if you've been given bionic arms, then there's still going to be blood, some, you know what I mean? It was like when, when he knocked her head off, mm-hmm. it, it was a robot's body. It wasn't, she's not a cyborg. Have they just like done a, cause they can just make a plastic cast of her face, mold her, you know, mold some latex and pop it onto a robot. Cause all you need is a clothes and a mask. Yeah. And it's so where was she? Where was she?
0: That's one thing I will say, and and, and I want to get to this right now before we move on to Dan O'Hurley here. Um this story and this move this whole movie in general, again, you're right. You're absolutely right. Take the Halloween three off of this. It doesn't need to be because unfortunately the franchise wasn't developed as an anthology at this point. It wasn't like Creep Show. Creep Show nailed it in that you knew it was an anthology in the film. It was three different stories, each film. And we hadn't done that with Halloween.
1: Oh, let me ask you this before we move on. Um, and I'd love to come on and do um, an episode on Creep Show 3. Have you ever seen Creep uh, Show
0: 3? I, I am today years old in learning that there is a Creep Show 3. <gasps>
1: listen, right, that gets, that gets panned. Everyone slags it to say it's the worst thing ever made, but you know what? Oh, I love it. Oh. I love, I love every bit of it. And there's, so go away, watch it. Right. And then you can message me and go, you know what, Phil, you're right. This is brilliant.
0: Oh, excellent. I'm so down for that. Absolutely. Cause I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I love the uh, the second creep show. It's that's the one that really stands out to me the most uh i'm also the most familiar with it because i remember it was on like the movie network when i was around that it age was, uh,
1: was creep show to the the blob it was the, uh, yeah. the raft yeah 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 i love, yeah that was i think uh, i think that came out oh, i don't know what year it came out but we got satellite tv in like 1990 and that were kind of that was one of the things i picked up on i remember so this is in uh, in in england when we got Satellite, well, when Satellite TV come to England, like late 89, early 90, um, we had uh, Sky Movies and they would show like Jim um, Carner, uh, The Doors and Creepshow 2, just on a loop because I think that's the only <laughs> things they actually had. <laughs> it's brilliant.
0: But I mean, here's the thing with this movie. And it's, it's the one problem I kind of have with it is that, I get that the Silver Shamrock people are trying to kill off pretty much anyone who's wearing a mask at the time, Um, but it's never really determined whether you have to be watching the commercial at the time, whether it's just a timer that it's 9 o'clock, what's with the locusts coming out of the mouths. There's a lot that really isn't explained.
1: Well, yes and no. So I think... The The idea of the promotion, if you remember earlier on, the promotion is nine o'clock we given giving a giveaway. So everyone, which is basically children, all you kids get in front of the TV at nine o'clock and you put your masks on and we're going to kill all the kids.
0: See, I mean, I know, okay, I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. Like, you know, 1982, I'm not even 10 years old yet at this point. So I'm of trick-or-treating age at that point. I guarantee you at nine o'clock at night, I am not in front of the TV. I'm in bed, and my and my mother is sifting through the bag, going, "You can have this. You can't have this. You can have this, and you can't have this." <laughs> kind of thing, because that's what parents do once the once the once the the, the treats come home. Like they separate the ones are like, "Okay, this seems safe for you. This is uh, just candy in a bag that has no wrapper on it. There's no way you're touching this."
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we've already established they're playing Halloween at seven o'clock on the evening yeah
0: like uh, again <laughs> and, and that's the thing like i mean here in canada we have crtc the canadian radio television uh, canadian radio and telecommunications commission and they literally state that you know you can't play a movie like halloween on network television until it's like 10 o'clock at night or something like that so i mean yeah 7 p.m and you're showing halloween and it's like the TBS version where everything is fuddy duddyed out, and the it, it is cut to the point where it's like, I, I are you even showing what opening titles? Ah, it's well, Michael. End it, titles. That's about it.
1: Well, it's crazy. Of it. Well, we've got something called the watershed, uh, and nine o'clock is the watershed. So basically, anything before nine o'clock, you know you kind of, you know, maybe no swearing, maybe no violence, you know, there's some soaps that might, you know, have a bit of explosions and stuff like that, but after nine o'clock, it's kind of a bit of a free-for-all, but um, it's quite funny, uh, like let's just say for instance, it's a Wednesday night and I'm flicking through the TV and uh, the one thing that always makes me laugh is, what's the Bond film with Blofeld in? Oh jeez! Not, it's not Skyfall. It's the one after.
0: I'm. I'll be honest. Me and Bond, like uh, I, I don't really watch that many
1: Bond films. The one with Batista in. The one, yeah, the one with the Batista in. Uh, anyway, it'll come to me later on. So there's there's a scene in uh, in in that film where uh, there's the big boardroom, and Batista comes in and he pokes the guy's eyes out. If you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And then. Um, Blowfold looks up and goes, "Cuckoo, James!" And James grabs the bloke and he throws him off the balcony. And he lands on the table. Well, during the week, you won't see any of that. They'll cut all those bits out. They'll cut out the eye gouging, even after nine o'clock. They cut out the eye gauge in They cut out the bloke's impact on the table. If it's shown on a weekend, they show everything. So it's really weird over it. But yes, that goes to say, yeah, we have, uh, yeah. So it wouldn't be Halloween; would not be be shown at that period of time however so you see i don't know if you know much about stonehenge stonehenge is that's what they were talking about in the film they got that stone and they were gonna 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 get the power from the from the witchcraft and they were gonna kill all the children now why kill all the children who knows maybe to make all the adults sad and then all of the pagans who used to pray to stonehenge in the uk or the pagans and the witches will become more powerful perhaps don't know
0: Oh, I mean, or unless that's the the large sacrifice that they're trying to do in order to be able to get the power from Stonehenge, but it it's just <laughs> there's a lot going on, and it it does feel like you said it is it's a fast film. It's it is only about uh, an hour and a half. Um, it probably could have used another 10, 15 minutes in order just to kind of flush a little bit of that out. Um, but that that's where we're at right now. Uh, getting back to the cast, though. Since that we're talking about the uh, the Silver mm-hmm. Shamrock Corporation here, we get to talk about Dan O'Hurlahy as Coral Cochran, the He's se- brilliant oh the seemingly gentle, kind CEO who is really out to destroy everybody. Um, it's I, there was a quote from him as I was doing my research for this, and it's like he was happy because he had a good time on set, he got to use his natural accent, mm-hmm. but then said, "Yeah, I don't think much of the film." but at least it sounded like he had a good time filming and he does um one thing i noticed and maybe you saw this as well um we have said on this podcast before that there seems a difference between screen villain and stage villain Mm
1: -hmm. okay explain
0: yeah okay so so let me explain so screen villains are a bit more subtle they're a bit more uh, nuanced in, in the in their actions and their their mannerisms. Stage seems to be the ones that are over the top. So if you're putting this into perspective here, think about um, Heath Ledger's Joker. That Mm -hmm, would be more screen villain, whereas Jack Nicholson's Joker would be much more stage villain, a bit more, you know, Uh, a bit more Project
1: into the back. Project Uh, into the back, darling, yes.
0: Absolutely. Like, Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever was definitely stage villain. Um, There's times when Dan Corral Cochran is uh, very much a screen villain. It's subtle. It's nuanced. It's very Max von Sydow and Strange Brew kind of thing, which... I'm Canadian, I, I'm contractually obligated to mention Strange Brew at any time I get a chance to. Um, but then there's times when he feels very stage villain. And it's pretty much when he's monologuing. You know, he's already got Dr. Dan, uh, he's monologuing through everything and we're fi- figuring it all out and it feels very stage at that point. Um, how was Dan he for you?
1: Well, I, right, I thought he was very good. Um, and I think you'll... Your kind of representation is very accurate. I think <clears throat> anyone who's British or Irish, um, and especially at that age, because he's got acting credits going back to the sixties, uh, will probably probably be professionally trained. I'm not saying that American actors aren't professionally trained, of course, <laughs> um, but um, or Canadian actors even. Uh, but you know, they will have a certain level of training and they will know what to do and what not to do and he's probably done a lot of plays and so on and so forth so he's probably got a mixture of both there where and I know you were saying that you know he doesn't think much of the film but that's fair enough and and you know he's done a lot of TV work and RoboCop and all that kind of stuff um and it, which was great in there I don't think there was much difference really in his performance in both films um but I thought he was he was very menacing, and um, and disarming all at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! And it's, it is. It's just because he's so
1: likable. Yeah, he's, I think. The, yeah, because like the bit where where he has the fight with the robot, and then uh, Tom Atkins at is, uh, and then he comes. Cochran comes in, and he's like, "Oh, you know this. This is a vintage piece. This this robot is from the 1700s. I like this." And I'm like, i will be going, "Oh, sorry, mate. I didn't. I didn't mean to break it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, like you might be planning to kill me and all that, but like, I, I'm sus. I didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> sus. And 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 that's
0: the thing. Like, it, it, it's very much the kill you with kindness kind of mannerism that he that he brings to this. Right. It is like he's he's the most polite, most sincere, most gentle. Um, I would assume alien life form trying to kill half of humanity in order to get power it, from Stonehenge. It could just
1: for your granddad, couldn't I? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and to be honest, I could probably see myself going. Look, mate. Right. Whatever you're doing, I can see it's a bit wrong. But I quite like you. Like any chance of a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna take if you're taking over the world, like, I'll help you. Yeah. And that's the thing like
0: if if they were to make this film today you you would figure that the 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 town that they're in Santa Mira I think it was um where you know everyone's very very complimentary of him They're, they 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 think of him as the savior of the town um and that's it, it's an aspect that i kind of wish they built more upon like here's coral cochran the, the 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 ceo the the president of of silver shamrock he's turned this small little town into into a a very good thing but Silver Shamrock is hiring lots of people. He brought in lots of people. When you bring in lots of people into a company, it brings money into the economy. If they were making this film today, that's the aspect I wish they would bring more of.
1: Well, I think, um, yes. And I think if if you, like, something I could compare that to today, as an example, if you've seen the Jack Reach TV series. I have not yet. Okay, cool. Well, um, have you read any of the books?
0: In all honesty, I have not, actually. My okay, my, my cool. knowledge of Jack Reacher is played by Tom Cruise <clears throat> originally and then played by that guy from Titans. That's about right, it. Okay,
1: so so what I would do is uh, go and read the first novel, uh, which was Killing Floor, and the TV series is based on that. Uh, go and read the book because you'll enjoy it, and then watch the TV series, and that's exactly what they've done. They've taken a small town where someone's, you know, owns everything and employs people and everyone's happy for the man to be there and this that the other but there's something not right Mm -hmm. and instead of just having that kind of i mean let's face it what 25 minutes of interaction throughout the film with that chap they've made it into a six-part series so instead of all right let's do a two-hour film let's make a six-part series and you can delve into it and i think that's that's what was missing uh then i've always thought that they should be a death wish tv series i would love for there to be a death wish tv series
0: there's the interesting thing in that you know, we, we've mentioned it a few times where the original idea for John Carpenter for Halloween was for it to be an anthology-type series. And, you know, there is Creepshow. Uh, there, there was the Friday the 13th TV series. There was the Freddy's Nightmare series. Um, uh, you wish there was a Death Wish series. Like, there's a lot of things that, that could be turned into anthologies, but it, it that's, that's kind of the albatross on this film is that that Halloween 3 is at the front. There's a, there's enough there's enough cinematic history where it's spec scripts with a with a with a franchise slapped onto it and it's like why are they doing this, but one thing that this stood it for me is that, and maybe it's just the the presence of Michael Myers himself, is that the Halloween movies always felt like big screen. This yes. felt more like a TV movie of the week.
1: Yeah, and that. And probably what they could have done was maybe put another hour's worth of work into it. And it could have been a two-parter or a three-parter miniseries. Cause, cause, cause they did that kind of stuff with Stephen King's, you know, like with it and the stand and the Langoliers, you know, okay, we'll just make it a two hour show and it's on Monday and Tuesday. Mm. There you go. Cause, and I think that's where like coming to the end, well, just talk about the end of the film. Um, because they leave it ambiguous, and that's what all anthologies do. Don't they? they kind of leave it ambiguous for you to make your own mind up what happened. Um, I think one of the uh, one of the tales of the dark side episodes that I remember very well was, um, and I always always made me laugh how like the budget on that was about twelve pence. No matter what episode it was, it was some dingy room. And it was, uh, so there was, uh, it was this episode with the man and a woman, like the woman a bit overweight, um, you know, kind of no prospects in her life. Her husband might have been a mechanic perhaps. So, you know, the traditional fat couple, ugly, horrible, like you know, bad thoughts because, you know, they're not doing very well. And this chap knocks on the door and gives them uh, a case and inside the case is a button. And he says, if you press the button, you'll get $100,000 but someone you don't know will die. And this box sits on the table for for throughout the episode for days and days and days, and she agonises, shall she press it, shouldn't she press it? And in the end, she presses it. She just presses it, because I think she gets really annoyed with her husband. She just presses it. And there's a knock at the door, and it's the bloke. And he goes, there's your $100,000. He goes, can I have the box back? And she goes, what are you going to do with it? And he says, I want to give it to someone you don't know. And that was the end and Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, you know, just nice and cool. There you go. It's left to us to decide what happens. And I think that's the same with the end of this, you know, he's on the, I mean, and this is, this is the despair that I can see from him when he, when he knows what's happening to those masks and he knows what's going to happen. And he, he phones his ex-wife. Now he must be having this conversation in his head. I'm going to phone my ex-wife and tell him, tell, don't let the kids wear the masks. How does that sound? It sounds like you're on drugs, or or, or <laughs> jealous
0: because I mean it, it is an ex-wife. You know the two of them clearly don't get along, and it's probably yeah. like you're you're trying to undermine you know my maternal authority on this, and she's of like well, she ain't having it, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, one hundred
1: percent, yeah, yeah, and he and he must know that, but he's still got to try. And then when he manages to escape and he gets back to the gas station with the same bloke, poor man, um, <clears throat> and he's phoning the TV company, and it's like they're not gonna you, number one you're not getting through to anyone within a minute second of all they're just gonna go mate do one and put the phone down but the one thing that got me was three kids come in with the masks on mm-hmm. he didn't try and, he didn't try and take their masks off no he could have saved. he could have saved three kids right there and then just took the masks off punched them all in the face right and kicked them out of the kicked them out of the garage he could have done that but he didn't he just instead just screamed no Loudly.
0: Yeah. On the phone trying to get the T V <laughs> station to turn off the commercials. Like, what are you doing? Um but I mean they're they're in life and apparently, according to Tom Atkins, there were a number of different endings that were filmed for this.
1: Oh, talk to me about different endings. Yeah.
0: And apparently one of the endings had, you know, very again, very similar on the phone kind of thing, it cuts to black, and then all you hear are the are lots of kids' screams and all that kind of stuff. And and they took that out.
1: That would have been cool. That would have
0: been cool it would have been cool but it also would have told you exactly what happened I, I think course. you nailed it on the head and and even Tom Tom Atkins has said like when he saw the finished product and saw where they ended it it made it a much better ending because you're right there, there are series out there like the Twilight Zone like um, the outer limits uh, and current ones like uh, Black Mirror and um, electric dreams. The, the, the one based on uh, Philip K. Dick's works, in that they're morality tales. They're morality tales with no definitive ending per se, but it leaves you on a question, right? And it's almost of like course. however you think it ends says more about the viewer than it does about the film.
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can make your own mind up, yeah. If you can make your own mind up, well... well it's one of those because it always leaves it open for a sequel anyway, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely.
0: If you think about, and I'm going to draw a comic book reference to this. There was the Batman Death in the Family comic book where uh, Robin, the, the, the Jason Todd version of Robin is captured by the Joker, beaten within an inch of his life uh, and left to die with the bomb. And as the you get to the last page, you see the clock tick down, you know, Batman's racing to save him. And then you get to the last page. And it says, you decide. Ooh. Call this 1900 number and Robin lives. Call this 1900 number and Robin dies.
1: Oh, that's cool. I mm-hmm. like that. For the I record,
0: Robin died uh, because everyone was like everyone was like Jason Todd kill him, <laughs> right? So not Dick Grayson. But it's but there's the question, right? So I'm I need to put this to you. Did? The doctor Dan save the day. Uh,
1: no, no, because because it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how long he had to make phone calls. That was nationwide. Mm-hmm. He wasn't phoning NBC. And if he did, like, let's just say he phoned NBC, and NBC went right. Okay, crazy man. We're just going to cut the feed. Right? You've still got. I mean, I don't know uh, networks in America, but you know you've got other networks that do different things. So over here, for instance, you know, we've got BBC, we've got ITV, we've got Channel 4, we've got Channel 5. They're our main terrestrial TV, what we call terrestrial TV. They're our channel. We've got five channels over here. Mm-hmm. So they're five channels. Now, if that advert was going across every channel by the BBC, because the BBC don't do adverts, but if it was on ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5, all at the same time, someone's getting it.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's going to happen.
1: It's going to happen to somebody, uh, and it's going to happen to people. And yeah, so I, I would like to think that it did happen because he had no chance. He had no chance, I mean, but that's what made it worse mm-hmm. when he didn't take those masks off those three kids. And even if they go, "Hey, Mister, what you doing? Just punch him really hard in the face." Yeah, because, I mean, the, because the worst that's going to happen is going to have a broken nose, but they're going to be alive.
0: Absolutely, and that's the interesting thing too. Though. There was that. There was that little montage sequence in the middle of the film where they're showing the, d- the kids from around the States, you know, like here yeah, in Phoenix, Arizona, treating. Out, mm-hmm. you know, Los Angeles, throughout. The other thing too is, what what part of the States is at nine o'clock? You know, because if it's nine o'clock across everywhere, right? If it's nine uh, o'clock in LA, then you're talking mm-hmm. like, you know, midnight in in New York mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. ain't no kids in Manhattan at that age, who were out trick or treating, wearing their mask, and watching TV at midnight—that's
1: <laughs> true. So, 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 in effect, they're only going to get a proportion anyway. Mm-hmm. However, it's a big enough proportion um, for the you know because well, I mean, over here we know it's well. I mean, whenever we see things advertised, it's like eight o'clock Eastern. Mm-hmm. 8 p.m. Central or 9 p.m. Central or whatever it is. So there's, you know, a few time zones, I guess, across America. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But there would get, and, you know, there's always going to be some bloke who lives in his mom's basement and sitting there with his mask on like a good un
0: Yep. Um, I've been watching my Halloween at 7 o'clock. I'm ready for this now.
1: (laughs) Watch me some Halloween. Apparently
0: in the States, screw the people in Maine, but the people in California get to live. That's pretty much what it boils down (laughs) to. Because you have to think that if it is like 9 o'clock at your local time, um, there's going to be news stories very quickly within three hours or four hours it takes to get from Maine to California as far as time zones go.
1: They're going to hear
0: about it. Um,
1: yeah, and no, it's about, I think I think the concept of the film, the concept of the idea, is really good because yeah. it because it's original and no one's done anything like it since. At least, on, well, I don't know whether I am going to stand on that or not, but uh, <clears throat> I haven't heard, well, I haven't seen a film similar since. You know what I mean? So it's kind of you know it it stands on its own as an original plot for mm. a film.
0: Let me put it to you this way. You take that script you modernize it a little bit and you do it today. Does that story still fly as a good film today? And do you even still try to put the Halloween franchise moniker on it?
1: Well, no, you see, today's different though, Jason, because what you would do, you would look at that and go, ah, that's, a, that's an eight-part series mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. Let's put some real money behind it. And let's make it nice and tense and scary. And, you know, the first two episodes is, you know, the episode two ends with the bloke setting himself on fire. You know what I mean? Nice and slow, build the characters, you know, or or, or should I say episode one ends with the bloke setting himself on fire. Mm -hmm. So So you've built up the character of the doctor. You've built up the characters that work in the hospital. You've probably built up the character of of um of the daughter of the dead chap, whatever and I, I forget her name now. Uh but you know you build up it, it's a build-up, build up, build up, build up. Um one of the best um one of the best series that I've seen so far, it's on the BBC. So I don't know if you get the BBC in Canada. Uh it's called Sherwood. Um and it's it's partially based on a real life event where two people were killed in Nottingham um <clears throat> in the 90s. And it's a six-parter, and it is, ba- and basically the first, you know, there's there is a couple of murders in the first two episodes, but then after that, it's like who's done it, why have they done it, but it's all about the people in the town and their feelings towards each other and their lives and their aspirations and their failings, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, that's it, it. Could be done now, but it would be done as a as a series because that's where all the money is. All the money's in TV now, whereas before, all the money was in film. And like I said to you, if, you know, in 1982, all the money was in cinema. There was no money in TV.
0: Oh, absolutely. And if you think about now, you've got the the Shudder uh, pay-per-view service there. Um, mm, this, yes. this, this would be a phenomenal chance. And I, I just wonder if there's the possibility that, you know, the original hope for the Halloween franchise was to be an anthology series. So is this something that Shudder could potentially pick up and, and carry the torch that John Carpenter originally wanted to light.
1: Well, there's, of course, um, but <clears throat> but it doesn't really have to be under the Halloween banner, does it? It can be under anything. I mean, what's that? Uh, have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet, but there's the thing on Netflix, where is, where is it, like 1967, 1986 and 1999 or whatever it is, that horror. Oh, American Horror Carter? Story, Yeah. No no no. Well, is it American Horror Story? American is Horror it?
0: Story. Yeah, because each season is kind of its own self-contained story. No. So so the series itself is an anthology, but each season acts as its own contained story because yes, they did have American Horror Story like 1984, so they had a very slasher-centric theme. They had oh, okay. one that was set in uh in a I think it was like a nunnery or an asylum or something like that. So, I mean, American Horror Story could be a template for something that John Carpenter originally wanted to do, um, but Shutter is definitely the place for it. I think.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I was actually looking at um, a, a subscription to Shudder because I love I love my horror films, um, and I think it's only about fifty pounds a year in this country. So, um, um, I'm thinking how much worth I'll get out of it because the missus can only stand so much horror. You know <laughs> what I watched? You know, I watched uh, I watched Rambo. Uh, well, First Blood. I watched First Blood with uh, my daughter yesterday, but um, when she went to bed, I watched The Guest. Have you seen that before? I have not actually. Oh, so good, so good. Um, it's got Dan Smith, um, who was was it, is it Legion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dan Smith. Um, he kind of he, he 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 plays an army chap who visits the parents of his dead friend. Okay. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. It's brilliant. <laughs> and uh, halfway through, the missus went. Is this meant to be a comedy? Because it's hilarious. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not quite sure if it's meant to be a comedy or not. But um, it's 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 re- it's really good. Yeah, I'd uh, I definitely. It's a mix between, it's a mix between like a slasher film and the Terminator. Okay, I can see that but, because
0: there, when you think about the original Terminator right it wasn't the big action film that the 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 you know the following sequels became the first terminator film was very suspenseful
1: oh 100% and i think you mentioned in your uh, trailer about sequels i would very much stand on the fact that the best sequel ever was terminator 2 it wasn't it wasn't until terminator 2 that people went ah sequels have to be good yeah,
0: I mean, it is. I think definitely uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day is probably the the, the the template that people want to aim as far as raising the bar on your sequel goes. Absolutely. Um, this one, it's it's different. And it should be judged on its own merit in comparison to the rest of the Halloween films. Um, I just wonder if there's a chance, because, I mean, let's be honest, Michael Myers still going strong, but this film could have another life.
1: was the now I know that um in number four it was more centricated on the daughter or the little girl. Mm-hmm. Am I am I right in that? Was Malcolm what is in number four?
0: Yes, so basically, uh, so when this film hit the theatres and the critics pretty much, or at least the the audience, seemed to not enjoy it as much because it didn't have mm-hmm. Michael Myers, that's what they were expecting. They're like, okay, number four, let's bring back Michael Myers, and that's kind of been the Halloween franchise from that point. It's morphed into something that John Carpenter didn't want it to be, but here is we it, are.
1: Because that, that, that little girl, it was, uh, Danielle, is it Danielle? What's her face? Because she's been in loads of horror stuff hasn't she yeah because um, th- obviously cause I, spoiler alert but isn't yeah because like isn't she like kind of like she's the new killer type thing and um, that was in the not the latest Halloween film but the one where she locks Malcolm Mars in the cellar and sets everything on fire and as they're driving off like the daughter's got the knife in hand is like uh, is that a callback to number 4
0: yeah i mean she's been in a number of different films including you know films like burying the ex and she was in the uh, you know the second uh, rob I loved zombie the ex. yeah the second rob zombie directed halloween sequel um so yeah there i mean there's there's a lot and she was in the first uh, the first rob zombie one as well which i again i think rob zombie did a very good job in revitalizing that franchise um But, yeah, and she was in Halloween 4. This, of course, being um, Danielle Harris, who we're talking about here. That,
1: Danielle. So, yeah, I knew it was Danielle. Uh, Oh, she was also in a show miniseries Mm -hmm. as well.
0: But she was also Mm -hmm. in, and I had to point this out, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Oh, love it! It With was
1: Christina Applegate. Yes, yeah, such a good film. <laughs> I love such it. a I fun it. film. Oh, and she was in she was in the Hatchet. She was the Hatchet series chick as well, weren't she?
0: Yeah, and she was in Victor yeah. Crawley. So yeah, she's in that pantheon now of modern horror films. And and she she's you know again probably a star on a service like Shutter. Like
1: that's hundred oh, percent. That's the thing. I, let me ask you this question, though. Which is better, My Boyfriend's Back or Burying the Ex? Ooh. I'd
0: have to go with Burying the Ex, actually.
1: Mate, like, me and you are going to fall, out. Eh? <laughs> because, because My Boyfriend's Back is my number one favourite film of all time. Oh, absolutely. really? I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it for everything it stands for. It's so good. It, and I can't... like, like If someone's going to come with a bit of hate... They're going to have to come with real hate because it's fantastic. It's the best film. No, it's not the best film. Terminator 2 is the best film ever made. My boyfriend's back, my favourite film of all time, hands down. The amount of Oscar winners in that film is ridiculous.
0: Okay. Let's let let us put this out there now. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, who mm-hmm. is your MVP?
1: Um, You know what I'm going to say? That mad drunk bloke. Oh, that, and- <laughs> 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 I'm, that mad I'm, drunk bloke, because he's managed, right? Because, like, and this is, this is what I want to bring up about this mad drunk bloke. So he's clearly a mad drunk bloke who lives there, right? And this is what you mentioned earlier on about, you know, he's brought prosperity to the, to the town, this, that, the other. This bloke clearly hates him right? because he can't get a job because he's brought out of towners. So, so the shop's still selling booze. He still lives somewhere. They still let him live there, but he goes around bad them all the time to strangers left, right, and centre. And then he gets captured. I don't care. Cochrane can hear me. Oh no, please don't hurt me. I love him. I love him.
0: I will I will say, um, I considered Daniel Hurley for this. I did. Because again, just, just a a charming personality. But I couldn't do it. Because Stacey Nelkin as Ellie for me was the strongest character in this film like Dan she was yeah she was, absolutely she was very good Dr Dan and his sexy mustache kind of useless in the grand scheme of things um Ellie could have done this by herself and i think it would have made more sense to go down and that's the other thing too when you think about it right this didn't play like your typical horror slasher film where you have a final girl. Like she was, she was perfect, perfect material for like final girl material,
1: but it went a different way. Like there, there's so many curveballs. Okay, so, 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 let me put this to you then. So, the the chap dies in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Ellie turns up. The cops go, "Oh, we need to ask you a few questions." She's like, "Yeah, ask me some questions." And they're like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "I don't know." Uh, what's going on? I don't know. And then she goes back and then you follow her doing a bit of research, phoning around. And she's like, yeah, this is the gap of a day. And he was here. I'm going to check it out. And then she goes under the guise of somebody else with a fake ID because she, she can do that kind of thing. She can fake ID. Mm-hmm. And she goes there and she poses as a buyer. Then she sees the car and she's like, it's my dad's car. And know it's my dad's cover up. I got to play cool. I can't speak we never know, and then she bumps into the old drunk bloke, and the drunk bloke's like, I don't care, I'll tell anyone, you be watched and listened to, am I okay? I'll come back for my order tomorrow, and then she breaks in, and she sneaks around, and she gets caught, but she gets out, and she, so basically, just wiped Tom Atkins out the whole film, and it's just her doing all of that stuff, and then she finds her dad, right? Come on, dad, let's get out of here, and her dad's the robot, and she's got to kill a dad robot right at the end, and then she gets to the petrol station she phones the she phones the 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 radio stations and the tv stations and she's like stop it no so yeah you can just take some buttons out and just have a yeah yeah there you go Done. you
0: you Done. don't you do not need Dr. Dan in this. Ellie is perfectly fine handling everything and that's the other thing too, right? Like we we see her um i I id her dad she asks a few questions and she's all sat in the hospital then five days later she finds dr dan in the bar and it's like all we did was watch him be grumpy and drunk and not know what's going
1: on Mm -hmm. meanwhile she's doing all the important show her show her that's it yeah just take some kids out of the film put her in the film and we're good Absolutely. But maybe that's what they were going for, you know. Do we need a female final girl? Should we just change it up a bit? So on and so forth.
0: I know. I, I, I will say in, in, in from the initial message you sent me of hey, let's do Halloween three. It's a Halloween movie without Michael Myers. And I'm just like, Oh, this is this is not gonna go well. <laughs> I will say that having watched this, having listened to you know, listening to this discussion. I do I see the appreciation that people have for this film now because this is one of those films that has done you know much better in hindsight than upon initial release. Like people Oh yeah are, 100%. Yeah, people are saying like you know what maybe we were a little too harsh on this film. I will say like the the audience score if you're looking for Michael Myers stop. Just stop. But if you're looking for a decent um more morally ambiguous ending of a film.
1: It's a good film. It's a it's really, a, really good film. And it's and it's completely different to anything that you would say. Have you seen um, Have you seen Ready or Not? I have not. Uh, if you want to talk about modern slashers, it's completely different. To uh, have you seen Your Next?
0: Uh, I, I've only seen like small bits and pieces.
1: Okay, cool. Well, Ready or Not and You're Next, not similar at all, but kind of similar in, in the genre, so to speak. But Ready or Not is a brilliant film and it's completely different to anything you see. And I think that's what's good about this film. It's completely different to anything that you've ever saw and ever likely to see. Okay because it because it, it involves witchcraft it involves magic it involves suspending your disbelief because that's what films are all about aren't they really
0: mhm absolutely okay so let me put it this to 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 you this way so to anyone who is you know maybe hasn't listened to this episode of the podcast yet uh and you're trying to sell them on watching this film how would you sell halloween 3 to someone
1: okay um Mad Witch decides to kill all the children in America and only one drunk, toshed doctor can stop him. I kind of like it.
0: I kind of yeah, like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I have to say, and this is the interesting part too, So, and this kind of goes right down your alley, is that after this film came out, they released, as, as they often do, the novelization of the film.
1: Ooh. Because some people might not know who I am. Absolutely
0: right yes. the thing is the novelization of this of the film is actually lauded as maybe better than the film itself, which let's be honest, the book is usually better but it's it's usually not the other way around where the movie comes out then the novelization comes out and it's like oh hey you know this is honestly the first of all uh the the writer who wrote it wrote it under a um a nom de plume ooh. And, and release it because i guess it's one of those things where it's like yeah I'm, I'm just gonna you know write this off and you know make it make a make a paycheck um and it did very very well so i'd be curious to read the novelization of halloween 3 and see how it stacks up to what ended up on the screen
1: yeah that's interesting um i think we've tried to avoid uh well for those of you who don't know uh i've got a podcast called adapted to screen where we watch or we read a book and then we watch the adapted version i think we try to stay away from novelizations because there might be some differences but really it's the same story if you know what i mean mm-hmm. whereas whereas if like our last our last episode was uh, the firm so we read the book and then we watch the film and talk about the differences because there are going to be differences. Whereas I think a novelization of a film, yes, there will be differences, but it's the it's only based on that story. Does that, does that does that make any sense? Because it doesn't when I say it out loud. Hmm. It's
0: it's interesting because as as we mm. mentioned on this show, uh, or at least in this last hour, there are a lot of things that could definitely be could have been more flushed out for season of the witch. And I oh, have a feeling the novelization. Took advantage of the page space, and was actually able to flush out the story a the
1: bit good, more. The good thing about a book is there's no budget. Well, maybe your ink, but you know. But, well, yeah, but like you know, you know, you can do anything in a book. You know, what I mean, there's you know, there's the zero budget. Like, how, how are we gonna? How are we gonna make every child's head explode? Yeah, we just don't show it. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Whereas in a book. You can detail every children's head every child's head being exploded, you know what I mean? So it's a yeah, actually that's that's very interesting. Um there's something we can do. We're doing something together though, aren't we? Soon?
0: Oh, very much so. I am looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, well, um we've got uh on recording our next episode on Wednesday. Uh we are doing The Running Man.
0: Oh, I love that movie. Love that movie so much.
1: Have you read the book? I have not actually so we're not going to be comparing the differences. We're just going to be doing a book review because the only, the only similarity is that the hero is called Ben Richards. Oh, geez. <laughs> that is the, that is the only similarity. Everything else is 100% difference, but do tune in and find out what, it's all about but um we uh, our guest for that episode um do you do you get much bbc in canada
0: i, I do my best to watch uh, as much as we can we do have bbc canada but i'm sure the programming is uh not as robust as what you would get oh, on bbc well, we've got,
1: um our guest is uh, is a is a tv writer does a lot of stuff for bbc so he's done miranda uh, which was a comedy over here but that starred tom ellis who's okay. now Lucifer. Uh, he did uh, not going out, uh, top gear and he's done lots of like comedy TV shows in the UK. So he's going to be joining us for our next episode. It'd be very interesting to have, a, to have a TV writer and see what he would do differently, perhaps. Um, but yeah, uh, the uh, uh, but we're going to be doing the circle. Is that correct?
0: Oh, the circle. Which, having yeah, you know, having fully read the the Dan Ayers novel and watching the movie, um, oh, there's some differences we're going to be talking about for that one. I'm actually in the oh, process what? of reading the sequel that Dan Ayers wrote oh. to the circle called the Avery.
1: Oh, what well, you see now? I know absolutely nothing. About the book or the film, and I'm not going to listen to your podcast until <laughs> I've at least until I've at least watched and read the book, so I'm not uh, I'm not uh, influenced in any kind of way. I
0: I will say it was a fun read. I actually went the opposite way. I watched the movie and then I read the book, and now I'm reading the sequel to the book. So uh, it it has been a fascinating journey for that one. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Phil, can you tell our listeners where they can find the Adapted to Screen podcast?
1: Oh yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah. Um, any podcast supplier really, so if you want to go to Anchor, Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, good pods, just type in adapted to screen and you will have all of our episodes. We've covered things like the firm, ID, Matilda, um, uh, the Android true of electric sheep, the girl with a dragon tattoo, uh we've we've done it all oh we did uh, Hellraiser not long ago and we had um we had someone Bamford on who played Butterbean in Hellraiser one and two. So he came on and he was our guest and we got some backstage gossip uh what it was like filming on Hellraiser. That was a pretty cool episode.
0: And make sure you go listen to Adapted to Screen on Good Pods because you know, speaking as another indie podcaster, um Indie podcasts get discovered very well on good pod. So let's see what we can do in pushing it after the screen up the indie podcast charts on there. Phil, thank I you. Good lad. Yeah, thank Phil, thank you so much for jumping in again. Uh, I'm yeah, sure we'll be having you on many, many more times. Always a Indeed. pleasure. Now, to Indeed. you to you, our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's Not That Bad. Now, you guys know the drill. If you think there's a movie out there that is unfairly maligned or it's just so bad or completely not the franchise that it was made for um, that we can't find anything good to say about it hit me up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast we will watch it we will dissect it and we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those A grades in B movies until next time I'm Jay Phillip again thank you so much for this always welcome on the show anytime thank you very much cheers uh, to- until next time everyone take care